sharing some things about New York that are truly little or unknown. His eyeballs are stored in a safe deposit box in New York City. Everybody knows the Statue of Liberty. Here's what I didn't know. Largest marble building in the world. If you rolled a lie detector test in here right now, I would pass. It is an amazing fact, and thank you for sharing that. I did not know that. Smart dribble coming to you now. Did I detect a walla walla? Like we're going to discuss walla walla Washington? Wada wada. Wada wada. How some people say water, but water. Like in New York City, wada. I think in Chicago they say water or like the washing machine, something like that. Chicago says water. It's the vowels wider wider they get flat and wide i don't know about that yeah it's true all right so we're actually attempting to set up our episode topic for today we've mentioned walla walla washington Mm -hmm. we've mentioned chicago Mm -hmm. we're not going to talk about either one of those but we are going to talk about a city in the united states a city that is the first city of the united states of the world john of the world john minds of many the first city of the world our beloved new york city kurt We're going to speak a bit of a love letter to the city of New York by sharing some things about New York that are truly little or unknown, including to us who have spent a good deal of our lives in the New York City environs. So would this topic be more in the smart category or the drivel? Because it sounds like we're going to impart a lot of information. As always with smart drivel. We promise the drivel and hope for the smart. So we'll see how it balances out. At the end of the episode, we can make a call. Albert Einstein, John. Not from New York, Kurt. But do you know what? His eyeballs are stored in a safe deposit box in New York City. I hope there's some liquid there, too. I don't know, but... Just two glumps of eyeballs? I think so. Okay, why are they stored in a safe deposit box in New York City, Kurt? They were given... The pathologist gave them to a friend of his... It's a lovely gift. Who then decided to store them in his safe deposit box in New York City. He should sell them on eBay. I tried to get a safe deposit box the other day. You can't get one anymore. It's like you can't get a manual shift car anymore Hang on, you can't get a safe deposit box? Uh Uh-uh. Was it something about... You or something about the market for safe deposit boxes? I don't know. But I went into my local Chase Bank and said, I'd like to get a safe deposit box. They said, we don't give them any. They opened up your account, saw the flag. Do not give this guy (laughs) a safe deposit box. He's just going to put eyeballs in them. All right. So one of my favorite smart drivel questions I asked of you a long time ago was, tell us the area code. Guess the area code for the part of Florida that contains Cape Canaveral. And you correctly said what? Three, two, one. It's really weird when someone says three, two, one, and then there's not like a loud noise or Uh something uh happening. uh Anyway, that's really cool, right? I mean, three, two, one, blast off. I'm going to share another fact from that same family, and there's no need to guess. There is one zip code, one zip code, Kurt, exclusively for the Empire State Building. The Empire State Building is a zip code all by itself. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Art Deco. Do you know I, that I never met Art. Do you know that I won a chugging contest in the basement of the Empire State Building in 1987, John? I did not know that, but would you like to tell us more, Kurt? No. So it was once 
probably the tallest building out there, eh? It was for sure, for a long time. And you would agree that it's no longer? No, but it was for a very long time. In fact, it's only the seventh tallest building now in New York City and the ninth tallest in the United States. Anyway, so there you have it. Tell us more about New York City, but the stuff that no one knows, Kurt. Okay, so John, have you ever been to the New York Public Library? Okay, whose eyeballs are in the New York Public Library? No, but Percy Shelley's brain fragments are in there. Fragments? Yes, fragments of his brain. Why was it fragmentized? I don't know, but the the collection in the New York Public Library is amazing. Do you know it is the second largest library in the country behind... The Library of Congress, Kurt. Correct, John. Woo! And it's the fourth largest library in the world. That is very cool. When it was opened in 1911, largest marble building in the world. And what was behind it, or, or in the place it is now, was a reservoir. Oh, really? It was, yes. And that reservoir f- gave everyone for 50 years their drinking water in New York City. There was a reservoir behind the New York? Bryant Park was a reservoir. Get out. Yeah. Huh? Did you ever read The Alienist, John? It takes place all about that. I don't read science fiction. It wasn't science it's fiction. It's called The Alienist. In New York City, no one can hear you scream. So I just want to tell Do you. you get it? And no one can hear you scream, The Alienist? Oh, alien. Yeah. Okay. Sigourney Weaver. Well, their tagline was, in space, no one can hear you scream. Stick with me, Kurt. I'm with you. It doesn't work, but I'm with you. Well, it's an adaptation. So the aforementioned lions have names. Do you know what their names are, John? Leo and Linus. Patience and fortitude. Those must be values. Who gave them those, that name? I would say that Mayor LaGuardia. <laughs> Fiorello LaGuardia. You are correct. Why? He did? Yes. Seriously? Yes. <laughs> I did not know that. That was just a crazy guess. I swear. All right. What does Fiorello stand for? Flower. Little flower. Oh, sorry. Fioreloette. No, Fioreloello. Okay. So I'm hot right now. So Ask me some more questions. Why did Kurt. he name them that? What were the names again? Patience and Fortitude. Because it was the 1930s when I think the library opened, and that was in the midst of all the aftermath of the of the depression and the stock market crash. And he encouraged people to be patient and show fortitude while they went through this difficult economic time. You're exactly right. Oh, get out of here. (laughs) Something tells me. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's totally legit. If you rolled a lie detector test in here right now, I would pass. I did not know that. I have to stop recording to go buy a lottery ticket. Maybe you, someone told you that a long time ago. It's stuck. I in don't your think brain so. Why can't you just give me some credit? I am. It's amazing. You know what? You know what? I ask you questions, and oftentimes you get them right. <laughs> and what do I do? I just. I don't call you a liar. I say, "Wow, that's a really good guess, Kurt." Because I know you, and our audience knows you. You don't have a great memory. Okay, that that's not nice. I'm having a great moment here, <laughs> and all you're doing is chipping away at me. I don't think this is a good look like for you, the Kurt. marble. No, it's the largest. So I'm telling you that I legitimately came up with that stuff by using my brain. You know why? My brain's not in fragments yet. It's all in one piece. Who was the sculptor? That was well done. Who was the sculptor that said, I don't make a figure. I just chip away all the stuff that's not needed and I'm left. Well, that I don't know. Was it Michelangelo? Was it Calder? Well, Carter wasn't a sculptor, but he was a mobilist. But I think it was Rodin, maybe. I don't know. Oh, Rodin. I always like saying Rodin. Rodin. Rodin Drive in Beverly Rodin, Hills. Rodin, Rosanna, <laughs> Rodanadana. So it's interesting that you mentioned a sculptor. 
Yeah, why? Because I'm going to transition to another sculptor who has had a heavy hand in the little-known history. Oh, we're back to New York City. I forgot what we were talking about. Yes, okay. We have one topic, New York City. I'm with you. I'm on it. You know what? Focus is the real F word. Okay, so everybody knows that the Statue of Liberty was a gift to America from the French. We. We. They built it like in the 1860s, 1870s. Why'd they give it to us, John? Well, it was actually a testament to the great friendship between the countries, and it was it was a, an homage to freedom and democracy. But it also was an indication that these countries had a wonderful, and was it our centennial? Yay! Okay, but it was made by a French sculptor, yes. Bartholdi. Yes. Do you know how to pronounce that? Yes, Bertoldi. Bertoldi, as well as Mr. Eiffel. Yes. Also known for the... Eiffel Tower. I can't believe you answered that question. Some things can be rhetorical, Kurt. (laughs) So let me get this straight. You knew. He came in late, by the way. Well, he he did. Well, Bartholdi did the whole skin with copper, which was amazing. But it was falling in. And And the structure in the inside came from Eiffel. I can't believe. You know what? When you said Eiffel and you said, I said, what else did he make? And you said Eiffel Tower. Did I accuse you of like reading that somewhere or looking that up? No, I believe you knew the answer. By the way, Sears and Roebuck didn't make the Sears Tower in Chicago. So it was not an equal leap. I think everybody knew that Eiffel was... (laughs) The architect, the so engineer. Apparently, when they were making it, Bertoldi in France, in Paris, if I remember this correctly, it fell in a bunch of times, kept falling in. So they recruited Eiffel, ex post facto, to come in and after he already started building this thing, to after the fact, put in an iron sort of scaffolding within. So you're probably going in your head here, like our listeners, this is about little known facts in New York. Everybody knows the Statue of Liberty. Here's what I didn't know. Yeah. It actually, I thought it was ready to rock and roll in 1876. Nope. But it was built over in France. Yep. And believe it or not, the flame holding right arm, which right. is, you know, the money shot. Oh, I know. For I've the seen Statue of Liberty of was actually displayed in Philadelphia until the rest of the statue was shipped over. It was shipped over in 350 separate pieces, more than 200 crates. It took a few months to assemble it. And I think in 1886, President Grover Cleveland, not to be confused with Grover Cleveland Alexander, I've made that mistake, Hall of Fame pitcher, but it was it was opened in 1886 with President Grover Cleveland. I didn't know that it came over in so many pieces and that the flame was held in Philadelphia on display for years. The head, right, the crown where you could go up in it. Not anymore. Was in Madison Square Park for years, and you could walk to Madison Square Park. Like in the 1870s? Yeah, and you'd walk and go up. You used to be able to actually go up in the crown after the whole thing was built, but like in the early 1900s, the Germans bombed something nearby, and everyone was like, that's not a good idea. When the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Yes. You know where they got the idea? (laughs) First, they bombed New York Harbor, and then they bombed Pearl Harbor. A little call out to John Belushi and all of his fellow... Brothers from Delta House in Animal House. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. And it ain't over now. now. Germans, Pearl Harbor, don't stop him. He's on a roll. In any event, that's a couple of things about the Statue of Liberty that I did not know until very recently. So you also, if you you go on that same thing, to boost World War I recruitment, the Navy constructed a fully staffed ship in the center of New York City. Like on land? Yeah, like on land. 
Huh. They also had a rocket ship, John, the first rocket ship that that put a man up in space in Grand Central Terminal, right in the middle. How was it going to get into it space? After, it was after. Oh, well, Grand Central. On display. Grand Central is a whole thing unto itself. We could do a whole episode, whisper, which we whisper, won't. Whisper, whisper, yes, there are the whisper hallways where you can actually hear someone from the other end of the hallway, even if they're just whispering them perfectly, kind of like the Greek amphitheaters. In ancient Greece, where you could hear in the last row without the actor on stage having to raise his or her voice. I think in the Alhambra in Spain, it's the same thing. I remember whispering. You could hear it way up and over and down. So Up and over. So I told you about the Statue of Liberty. What would you like to share to make this reciprocal? Two things that are illegal in New York that you probably didn't know, John. Oh, yeah. One is honking is illegal, which is very funny. Unless it's an emergency. But very funny because- yeah, That is correct because there's nonstop honking. Second is flatulence is, is in churches. That's right, only a in misdemeanor. churches. You know what happens though if you flatulate in church? I do not. You sit in your own pew. Bah! So this is one of the many reasons I don't spend more time. Oh boy. Kurt, ladies and gentlemen, has cracked himself up. There's nothing quite like a fart joke. That would be one check mark in the drivel column to answer your earlier question. So I'll give you a statistic about New York that I would have never considered. I'm ready. And it's legitimately mind bending. I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. This actually might blow your brain into fragments. Like uh, Percy Shelley. And then I'd be in the New York Public Library with him. New York City's coastline. Now, of course, we're talking about New York City, not just Manhattan, but the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, Staten Island, the whole Megillah. Okay. If you add up all of the miles of coastline in New York City, it is a larger number than the coastlines of Miami, Uh Boston, Uh Los Angeles, Uh and San Francisco. Uh And you know what's coming next. What? Combined, more than 500 miles of coastline in New York City. So it is an amazing fact. And thank you for sharing that. I did not very know welcome. that. I did not know that. But it doesn't surprise me as much. Do you know why? Because there's a lot of water near the... Because all those cities you mentioned have uni coasts. Yes. The, and you're required to have a unibrow if you live in those yes. cities. <laughs> and wear a unitard. And ride a unicycle. They are unicoasts. They just have one area of coast, whereas Manhattan's an island. Staten Island is an... Island, that might surprise you. It doesn't, actually. (laughs) You know what? what? The bridges to and from it were a dead giveaway. Brooklyn and Queens are an island, and the Bronx is a part of it on one, two, three sides. It's not an island, but the three sides is It's not uni, it's omni. It's right? And it's got a lot of parts. Have you taken the circle line ever? As a very long time ago. Oh, my God. You got to do it again. So it goes all the way around Manhattan, right? Up the Hudson River, across the Harlem River, down the East River, which is actually an estuary, not a river. It doesn't matter. And then you come back up. It's a phenomenal thing. But when you go and you go from the Hudson River into the Harlem River, you pass something called Spite and Dival. Is that like near Hell's Gates? Yes. What's Spite and Dival? Well, it's from the Dutch which is spitting devil. It's actually a riptide. That's yeah. Hell's hell's gates, right? Spite and dival. And that's a, that's and a much more fun of, way to say and it. And the name of the place is called spite and dival. Yeah. So I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> it's the water is royaled. Yes. Not R O Y A L. 
I was having fun with words over here, Kurt. Last night, I watched for the first time since 1994, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Did you see the gimp? Yes. He used to be your hero, right? <laughs> well, I The gimp came up in discussion right. recently. Because that's what you and I talk about. The reason why I brought that up was you said royal and royale with cheese. I don't remember that. The quarter pounder is not called a quarter pounder because it's a metric system over there. They called a royale with yeah. cheese. Now, speaking of old movies lead you quickly to old television shows. Mm. And you were telling me a story recently about the opening credits of Welcome Back, Cotter. And that reveals a little known fact about New York City. Tell us about that, Kurt. Well, and it's a fact that's still true today, 40 oh, years it later. Is still true today is correct. There was a sign, and apparently this is, goes way back. It says, Welcome to Brooklyn, fourth largest city in the United States. On population alone, Brooklyn is the fourth largest city, but it's part of New York, so it doesn't get carved out. Though they wanted to. They wanted to secede at one point. Yeah, everyone's, everyone goes through that phase. It's sort of the angry adolescent phase. You want to divorce your parents. Queens also falls into that category now. So if Queens were a standalone city, just like Brooklyn, they would qualify as the fourth largest. I think Queens, John is a home for more immigrants from more countries than any other city in the U.S. or any other place in the U.S. Well, if it's clearly New York City has always had very open arms. And do you know who lived in Corona Park, Queens? for A very famous author or artist. 30 years? Yeah, very famous author. Louis Armstrong. Uh, or artist. <laughs> yes. A musician, perhaps. So since we're talking about population, because I? I came across this. If Texas yes. Texas, yes. had the same population density uh -huh. as New York City, uh -huh. you could fit the entire global population within Texas's borders. John, where were you on November 28th, 2012? November 28th, 2012. It was around Thanksgiving. I barely remember 2012. Okay. On November 28th, 2012, not a single murder, shooting, stabbing, or other incident of violent crime in New York City was reported for an entire day. Was reported. I see how you threw that in the there. The first time ever, John, ever. Wow. That's amazing. Which it's a then, good day. Which then leads me to another point. I believe, and I'm sure you have this someplace. A high percentage of all 911 calls in New York City are butt dials. Yeah, I saw a number. It's like more than a third are butt dials. 38% or 40% or something like that. Yeah, one of our kids, when he was like two years old, called 911. They called us back asking why we kept calling them. And we're like, we have, what are you talking oh, oh, we have a two-year-old. You have phones, uh, cell phones back then? No, because you could still call 911 before cell phones. You had to open up a phone oh, wow. and dial 911. Wow. And because he was only two, he didn't use his butt. Why don't we talk about, I mean, it's the Big Apple, right? I think on a podcast a long time ago, we explained why it's called the Big Apple. And I'll remind everybody. Please. Basically, back going back to the 20s, the grand prize. 1920s? Yeah, I'm sorry, the 1920s, now that we're in the 2020s. Yikes. In any event, back... When, when you won a horse race, the big prize was an apple, and it basically meant the best. And over the years, you know, journalists and other people who have an audience started referring to New York as the big apple. And then back when you might remember back in the late 60s, early 70s, New York 
economically was not at its peak. It was struggling. The Board of Tourism officially came up with the Big Apple campaign. It wasn't till then? It was referred to, again, by journalists and other folks like huh. that as the Big Apple because it meant the best, tracing back to the horse racing price. But it wasn't until 1971 that the New York Board of Tourism funded the nice. Big Apple campaign. And that's also, I Love New York is probably around that time, too. And Virginia is for Lovers came along for free. So why is Broadway called the Great White Way? IDK. Because. Well, you want me to guess? Because I'll probably get it right. Go ahead. You're on a roll. Go. I do, I do not want to. I want to leave my perfect record intact. I'm not taking any chances. When electricity was first invented, Broadway was the first main avenue that was lit up. And it was done because Edison was trying to show off what he had done. And Broadway was lit up. And so it was called the Great White Way because it was white lights. Now, to bring this episode full circle, where are Edison's eyeballs and brain <laughs> fragments stored? I don't know. So here's another thing I wanted to bring up. Please. Which is very cool. So you remember when we were kids and you'd go to a department store and- You always hid in the clothing rack so your mother couldn't well, see you. That was true too. But then you'd go and someone would want to send some mail up or something like that and they'd go- The in, pneumatic tubes. The pneumatic tubes. That's right. So up until 1957, 1957, there was a pneumatic mail tube system that was used to connect 23 post offices across 27 miles in New York City. Wow. At one point, it moved 97,000 letters a day. And at one point, they made it bigger between Grand Central Station and Port Authority so it could take a sack of 100 pounds of mail. Wow. But the first thing to ever go through the New York City pneumatic tube system? The same dog or monkey that went to space. Very close. No? A live cat. Oh, oh, oh. It made it. No did, problem. Did, when, when was the ASPCA formed, the Kurt? Cat, the cat came out, shook off, and walked away. Okay. You mentioned that Bryant Park yes. used to be a reservoir. Yes. I learned that Washington Square Park. Yes, we know. Madison Square Park. We know. Bryant Park. Yes. Well, hang on. If Bryant Park used to be, Bef and Union Square Parks uh -huh. all used to be cemeteries. Yes. So when did, was it a cemetery before or after it was a reservoir? Must have been before. It was a cemetery first and then a reservoir. Do you know that Madison Square Park is the home of the first Shake Shack? <laughs> okay. Well, it's true. I know. So give me one last one because we have to wrap up. Jeez, okay. I've talked about this before, but McSorley's, my favorite bar in New York City. Absolutely. Oldest continuously operating bar in New York City, I think, believe 1854. In They didn't allow women until the 70s. That was a mistake, but then they let Hang them on. In. It was a mistake to let them in or was no, it, it was a mistake to, wait not. To, to hold off so long? To hold off so long. Would you long. like to speak to Augusta next? No. So anyway, World War I, you're about to go off. You're a doughboy. You're going off to France. You come in and there was a, a uh, ritual. You took a wishbone, John, and put it on the chandelier. And then you left. And when you came back safe and sound from war, you took your wishbone off. If you go in McSorley's today, John, there are still many oh. wishbones there that are covered in dust. What do you say we do an episode from McSorley's? I think it's great. How do you think we'll deal with the, back, the background noise? We'd have lots we'll of guests. We'll sit in though. the front room. It'll be great. Apparently, Houdini's handcuffs are there. 
Oh, they should get the eyeballs, the the handcuffs, the brain fragments, and all together in one little. I once did a pub crawl with my son when he was in college of the bars that were still around since the Gilded Age of New York, like the 1880s, 1870s. And there were a bunch of them. So we had to stop at some point because we had quite a few pints. I'm going to give you a final New York City. In fact, I'm going to give you two because one of them deserves to be included. I'm ready. Well, they both deserve to be included. That's, that's why I'm mentioning them. That makes sense. This one cracks me up. Uh-huh. I'll hold that one for a second. Uh-huh. So pizza, which is one of the reasons that life is, one of the many reasons that life is worth living. I want to just put on the record, New York City is the home to the country's first pizzeria. It is Lombardi's, which opened in 1905. It's on Spring Street, downtown, Been still there. open. Been there. And you know what? Pizza, pizza, pizza. So pizza, you know, many, you know many pizza restaurants there are today, Kurt? Yes. In New York City, I mean, there was one in 1905 when Lombardi's opened today. 1,500, 2,000? Exactly. Now, I'm not going to challenge your bona fides because it's 1,600, although I might have grounds, but I'm not going to because I'm not coffee I'm, grounds. I'm not that kind of guy. All right. My last fact. Wait, from- wait. There's something called the pizza principle, John. A slice of pizza and the cost of a subway token or subway ride are the same price. And it has been for the last 50 or 60 years. They have tracked together for a long time now. And it is a pizza principle. Perhaps it's a one day it'll be a real economic principle. But today I think it's one that needs to be italicized or put in quotation marks. And my final New York City fun. Ready. Over half of the crosswalk buttons you press Uh when you want a green light. Over half of them since the 1980s haven't functioned. Well, does that surprise you? No, it's. I think they're probably controlled centrally, but it's just funny. Everyone's banging away on that thing. But what I'm and saying is the funny thing is it, they don't because in New York City, no one cares. They jaywalk all the time. We also talked a long time ago about how the closed door button and elevators in New York City don't work either. But when I moved to Los Angeles and I walked across the street, I actually had a policeman stop me and said, you can't do that. It's jaywalking. I said, I'm from New York City. What are you talking about? In other cities, they actually wait and they hit that button until it goes and they light and go. New York City, never. You just go. So it doesn't surprise me. It's one of the many things that makes New York City special. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Kurt and I will be back next week with another episode of Smart Drivel. Until then. John, eating a New York bagel is equivalent to eating one quarter to one half a loaf of bread. One bagel. So did we deliver the smart or we did we deliver the drivel or did we come up with an optimal balance, Kurt? Optimal, like a bagel is optimal. Everything but a blueberry or rainbow bagel Correct. is optimal. Correct. Kurt and I will be back next week. Yes, we will, John. Until then, we hope your week is filled with all kinds of drivel. Goodbye, everybody. That was a Bronx cheer. Goodbye. Ooh, good one. <laughs>